Welcome to Another Orbit, a podcast exploring your musical past, present, and future favorites as they unfold. I'm Kaliza. I'm Suzef. And, and we're, we're from, from Other Orbit. Orbit. Our intention with this podcast is to explore our musical influences and how they've shaped us into who we are today. We hope that you can connect and explore with us. Maybe you'll discover a new song, artist, or genre. Or maybe you'll reconnect with an old favorite. In this episode, we're going to be sharing our favorite Riot Girl bands and discussing their roles in the movement and in our personal lives. Each podcast will have its own mix or Spotify playlist, depending on the nature of the songs. In our episode show notes, we will have YouTube links attached to each song. Okay, let's start the riot. Girl. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I like it. So it looks like you and I both have Bikini Kill to open up the show. That's not serendipitous because they are one of the biggest key players in the Riot Girl movement. So why don't we give the people some history on Bikini Kill, starting off with the band members. Kathleen Hanna, uh, who is the singer and vocalist, occasionally plays bass, occasionally played guitar too, I right? I think so, yeah. Um, Billy Karen, who's a guitarist, Kathy Wilcox, bassist, and Toby Vale, who's a drummer. Kathleen Hanna, Toby, and... I believe Kathy Wilcox all met in fucking college. I mean, a lot of the artists that we're going to talk about have in common is Evergreen State College. Like, For yeah. some reason, there's something in that yeah. fucking water. Exactly. Because a lot of them fucking all went to that college. Yes. And it blows. It blew me away how much they all, like, how many people went there who came out of the Riot Girl movement. But anyway, Absolutely. Kathleen Hanna's, you know... I think her first foray into feminism was when she was nine and she, her mom took her to a women's march in Washington, yeah. D.C. And she got to hear Gloria Steinem speak. And it ignited her and her mother's feminism, but they had to keep it like behind closed doors because of their her controlling dad. Yeah, And um, it wasn't until college that she got into her activism because she was uh, exhibiting a, a photo series that she was working on about sexism and AIDS. And it was taken down by her school and it was like her first experience with like censorship and she was just like, fuck this shit. Yeah. And she went on to create uh, Reco Muse, which is an art gallery with uh, Tammy Ray Carlin. Oh yeah, Tammy Ray. Yeah, they have that song yeah. for Tammy Ray. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's a jam too. Yeah. So she co- co-opened that space with Tammy Ray and that's where Kathleen started to get her experience with spoken word mm-hmm, and yeah. performance and stuff like that and tiny little fun fact um a little dude named Kurt Cobain would mm-hmm. go play benefit shows for Reco Muse yeah which is pretty cool also um Tammy shot the cover of Pussy Whipped album oh yeah she okay. shot yeah, the cover. yeah that's right yeah. yeah and and Tammy now is is one of the higher ups at California College of the Arts. No, no kidding. Oh, yeah. okay. And going back to the band here and touching on their big picture influence on your faves, let's give it up for fucking Kathleen Hanna inspiring Kurt Cobain to name yep. the song Smel- Teen Spirit. Yeah, smells, smells like, like Teen, teen Spirit. Spirit. Yeah, and Kurt Cobain didn't know it was a deodorant. Yeah, he yeah. didn't. He didn't know it was a deodorant. And yeah. Kathleen spray painted Kurt smells like Teen Spirit. And really, she was making fun of Kurt mm-hmm. because Toby Vale apparently wore Teen Spirit. Right. And Kurt was like, 
whoa, that's fucking deep. Yeah. And so he went Because Toby Vale and Kurt were dating for a bit, weren't yes, they? Yeah. yeah, they were. Yeah, they, they were dating. And then Toby Vale went on to date Dave Grohl. Yeah. Yeah, so, that's right. Yeah, you know, that's such a, yeah, wow. Okay. I guess this also like kind of gi- can give you a, a big picture idea of what is actually going on mm-hmm. in that area. Because mm-hmm. not only is a right girl movement happening, but the grunge scene yeah, is was, like fringing yeah. from it. And kind of the, I mean, the grunge scene kind of arose because... It was a male-dominated. Yeah. I mean, Courtney Love genre. was also yeah. mistakenly labeled a riot girl too. She but, was, yeah. and uh, is it because she had the feud with Kathleen Hanna? Well, no, well, no. It's um. Well, there was that. I think that brought the attention to that brought the attention to it. But it's kind of like Courtney loves a woman. She's angry. She makes noisy, loud, brash music. She's she also outspoken. Yeah, and also she was you know married to Kurt Cobain. That's and, true. Like, you know, she would do some of the things like she would put like words like slut and whore and lipstick uh, on. Her, I remember right? that. So, yeah. so it's like uh, yeah. So she was mistakenly lumped into that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of women I feel were were, were lumped into Riot Girl that yeah. didn't have really much or anything to do with yeah, it. Yeah, I but. feel like. What separates the right girl from the other things? And mm-hmm. I feel like it's the interconnection of zines and yes. the DIY spaces. Yeah, that is yeah. That the, that's the huge indicator. Yeah. And honestly, it was it was the Kindle of yeah. the right girl movement. It was a right. DIY scene and yeah. the zines itself. Yeah, and it was a commu- there was a community around that. Right. You know what I mean? I mean, I had a fanzine myself in high school and no i met yeah i met people through it and funny story a couple months ago i sold some shoes to somebody on facebook and then she messages me saying hey um your name sounded really familiar by by any chance you didn't you, you had a zine in the 90s didn't you and i'm like what the f- i'm not even <laughs> kidding and i'm like well yes i did um and she's like well yeah i knew your name looked familiar i uh, I still have a copy of it. Do Kidding you me. have any copies? No, I don't. Oh my god! No, and there was only between maybe like fifty and a hundred made. Holy 100 shit! Maybe. Oh my god, Suzanne, yeah. you need to get a copy of yeah. this. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't anything like amazing. It was. Um, it was not. A, it wasn't me. a riot girl. Did she mention how she got her hands on it? She. Yeah, it was funny. I was like, "Where did you?" Because it's like I never met her. She's on the East Coast, what? In the Midwest or East Coast. I had never met her. I didn't. Yeah, I did not know who she was at all. Like she was. She was never even like an acquaintance or Facebook. Dude, that's anything. fucking wild. So I asked him, like, you know, I'm from California. How did you get a copy of that zine? She remembers maybe through, like, message boards back in the day. She thinks is where she she might have found it. Yeah, it's it's really funny how wow. that's a really bizarre story. And, yeah, that's that's what happened. I reconnected cool. with someone, yeah, who that's had my fucking, zine. She, the fact that she remembered me, remembered the zine, still had it, that's what really blew me away. Wow, what a cool <laughs> story, Suze. Okay, that was such a stupid Okay, let's do the first song. We're going to be talking about a song from the very first Riot Girl band I ever got into. Same. And that is Bikini Kill. Yep. The song is Starbelly Boy. Here's a little clip. The level of chaos... Yeah, I'm smiling just yeah. thinking about Raw it. Raw yeah. and unbridled, just, Ooh, you know, yeah. anger. But it just sounded so fun and so like, compelling. Yeah. And just Kathleen Hanna's vocals. Yeah. Just, yeah, just so raw, so visceral. Yeah. She could scream and sing and just 
just put on all these personas on display. Yeah. And just this. She th- really let it She out. let it out. It really just felt like a punch to the gut. Yeah. You know, and then a punch to the face. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's why. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I just really responded to that. I mean, the song opens with. He said he wanted, wanted to, to just, just touch, touch you. you. How many people have been in that position of like slightly predatory behavior? No, with, exactly. With males, so that yeah, that, that is exactly why that album fucking resonated with me. The shouting, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't come. Like, oh my God. Yeah, it just. Yeah, absolutely unromanticized fucking interactions. Yeah. The star-bellied boy reference. What do you think that is? See, as a kid, I thought it was like a reference to the Dr. Seuss, like star-bellied snitches. Oh, okay. Because I didn't know that reference. And I was kind of like, oh, cool. It's about a guy with a a star on his belly. Like, is that a tattoo? Yeah, is it a tattoo? Like, what is it? Yeah. I I also pictured nautical tattoos. Right, okay. Because white boys fucking got them nautical tattoos. Yes, yeah, totally, totally. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. totally. I think that's a really good one to start with. Yeah. You know, really good band is really good. I think they're one of the key They're like quintessent, yeah. Quintessential. Absolutely. Should we so, what's on? your yeah? What's your bikini kill song? Oh, my bikini kill. Well, naturally, moving on <laughs> to my bikini kill song is Double Daria. Yes, I love it that is one. Double Daria, specifically from the CD version of the first two records. Yes. And here's a clip. Is that supposed to be doing that? <laughs> okay. Sorry. Okay, we're starting now. We're bikini kill. And we want revolution! Girls don't First few seconds of that song, I think my favorite part is that not only does she announce who they are, but she fucking declares their manifesto. Yeah. The opening there, you hear, you know, there's feedback. She's like, oh, okay, okay, sorry. Okay, we're starting now. And it's like, you can hear her politeness. You can hear she's sweet. And then she just fucking, we're beginning to kill. And we want revolution. Yeah. That, hearing that as a fucking 13 year old just was so life-affirming for me as a child, okay? <laughs> And that album came out uh, after Pussy Whipped. It's a combo of their Revolution Girl Style Now demo yeah. and their uh, double EP. The CD version of the first two records was uh, produced by Ian McKay from Minor Threat. No shit. So yeah, okay. there you go. Yeah. She doesn't hate men. Okay, yeah. Fuck uh, right. Off. Yeah. Exactly. I first heard this record around the same time that I discovered Sleater Kenny. That one time that I talked about in the last fucking episode. <laughs> but I, it this uh, was my sister in law's CD, and I remember I I was scared of it. <laughs> like I'm not gonna fucking lie. I was really fucking sheltered. So when I first put it on, I was thrilled by the sound it felt like i was looking into something that i had no business being a part of i'll be real and Hmm. it was the like one of the first times that i was really hearing punk yeah you know like sleater kinney felt like rock yeah you know it kind of had more of a rock garage rock yeah yeah where bikini kill felt like fucking punk however i do want to call out also in this tiny little space and 
maybe this is for another full episode, but there's certain lyrics that she used that are n not intersectional, even though this movement was um, trying to be intersectional. There was still yeah. a lot of diversity lacking in yeah. the and and you know the and and it showed in the lyrics. It, you, absolutely, it definitely showed in the lyrics. Okay, I'm gonna end my double dare your rant right there. <laughs> what is your next song? One of my friends through that whole scene, he listened to a lot of Riot Girl. He's from he was from Pomona. I met him at a show at the Troubadour, and we just kept in touch. Uh -huh. And he actually got me into the next band called Cold Cold Hearts. Their song, their my one of my favorite songs by them is called "Sorry Your Band Sucks." <laughs> Let's hear a little bit of it. or maybe not even the whole EP, but a lot of songs from their self-titled EP yeah. came out like 97 on tape, and mm -hmm. I would just listen to it over and over and over again. They are actually a group formed in 1995 when Bratmobile's Allison Wolf and yeah. Aaron Smith, they joined forces with Catherine Brown and Nattles of the Cutthroats. Yep. They really were not around that long. No. I actually like Cold Cold Hearts a lot more than Bratmobile. <laughs> like, a lot more. Because they were just heavier on the the grooves, the riffs, the bass lines, even like the sarcasm and the brattiness. I just yeah. felt like everything was just amped so much more. <laughs> yeah. There was just this real energetic, you know, vibe through that whole album, which still to this I really day, like it. yeah, yeah, this still still to this day. Really I actually hadn't heard this song until I saw it on your list. Oh, nice. I saw oh, like cool. I. I heard a few of their other songs yeah, through yeah. compilation records right. that I yeah, had, yeah. Uh, but I wasn't familiar with, uh, okay. yeah, and I really, I, I really fucking like this cool, song. I'm yeah, glad. Really okay, good. I'm glad. Yeah, that bass line, the opening bass line, that dude, dude, dude. Yep. Oh, yeah, that yeah. kills me. Their bass lines in that, yeah. on, on, on that It was album, good, yeah. I went on a deep dive sickening. listening yeah, to them. Thank you. I'm, well, I'm, glad, I'm yeah. glad you got to hear them because they are very, very near and dear to my cold, cold heart. <laughs> Wow, that was really corny. But anyway, yeah, so, uh, you know, we're talking about half of Bratmobile here. Uh, do you want to talk about the actual Bratmobile? Yeah. So I, okay, my next song is Bratmobile, and the song is called It's Common, But We Don't Talk About It. And here's a little clip. One of my most favorite aspects of the Riot Girl movement is that even though a lot of these bands are come, like singing from a very visceral and angry place, they still inject humor into a of lot of course. their fucking yeah, music of and course. lyrics. Yeah, like, of course. Yeah, um, of course. There's just something 
it's so funny to me about like I wipe <laughs> your ass and do your oh, dishes yeah. too. Like the, yeah, it's just so fucking funny. No, it, it makes me laugh. And uh, this came out in 2000 after their reformation. They broke up yeah. in you 99. Said, 99. They, no, they, they, sorry. They broke up in like 94. And then That's they reformed. Right. They got back together in 99. Sorry. And here's a, a, a little fun fact from that. They broke up on fucking stage. <laughs> they broke up on stage uh, right. in 1994. <laughs> yeah, they like it happened on stage. And um, I tried searching for a video of course it's 94 there's not gonna no fucking, yeah no one's on their phone yeah no one was on their um, phone but they shit. broke up in 94 got back together in 2000 and this album ladies women and girls was yeah. the record that got me into them yeah that's a good album uh-huh. it's a really and, solid um, album i went to go see them open for the donnas oh, so you Deirdre. saw them yeah i got you to saw see them. them and they opened for the donnas yes wow terribly, terribly enough yeah but a little history on Bratmobile. They're considered one of the key players yes, of the Rye Girl movement. Yes. Allison Wolf yeah. specifically is is given a lot of credit to the movement. And um, I want to talk a little bit about Allison Wolf's um, history, specifically about her mom. Her mm-hmm. mom is fucking badass and punk rock in her own right, even though she's not involved in the punk rock scene. Mm-hmm. Her mother is a radical feminist and, mm-hmm. a, a, and a self-described lesbian, mm-hmm. which I fucking love. Because it sounds trivial, but... When you think about being a self-described yes. lesbian, you're out and you're fucking proud. Yes. Uh, her mom's name is Pat Shively. And mm-hmm. like I said, she's a radical feminist. Mm-hmm. And Pat Shively founded Olympia's Eastside Women's Health Clinic in 1981. It was the first women's clinic in Thurston County. And throughout Shively's two decades of work, it was the target of relentless anti-abortion um, dem- demonstrations. Wow. And the protests got pretty bad at times and Mm -hmm. Allison's mom endured verbal and physical abuse and oftentimes like death threats and she was forced to show up to work armed with guns and fucking bulletproof vests like to protect herself because all she was doing is providing reproductive health rights as a doctor Uh. that imagine having that kind of fucking influence in your life no fucking wonder you're part of the yeah, the right no girl kidding. movement. Yeah, no, no freaking, fucking yeah, that's a no-brainer. Shit, yeah, and credit for the name of right girl goes technically to Jen Smith, who yes. used the term "girl riot" in a letter to Allison Wolf, her bandmate in Bratmobile. And then later on, members of Bikini Kill and Bratmobile uh, banded together to create a zine called, you guessed it. Riot Girl. And that is where the name of the movement stuck, which is a pretty cool, you know, I just want to give credit where credit is yes. due here. And uh, going back to the actual band and in their origins, they started off playing um, acapella. Mm-hmm. They didn't actually play any fucking instruments. Mm. And then they were asked no. to open for Bikini Kill. And yeah. they were like, Oh, wow. Fuck that. We're not backing down, dude. Fuck yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. So um, their friends from uh, Some Velvet Sidewalk yeah. lent them a rehearsal space. So, uh, I can't remember which which artist from Some Velvet Sidewalk was like, okay, listen to the Ramones and mm-hmm. do whatever the Ramones do. And then you'll be able to play your instruments and come out. And Allison Wolf was like, fuck <laughs> that. I'm <laughs> not listening to the Ramones and I'm going to yeah. fucking do my own thing. Heck yeah. And in, in a few days... Brett Mobile 
emerged out of that rehearsal space with five fucking songs playing their fucking instruments and yeah. they opened for Bikini Kill. Wow. If that's not punk rock, I don't fucking yeah. know what that is. Like, that was so fucking cool. Exactly. And seeing them live was... Yeah huge for me yeah totally, you know because i'd been totally. listening to them alongside like bikini kill and Slater yeah. kinney and all That's of those amazing. yeah yeah so yeah. with that being said wow yeah what's your next song all right well next uh group i'm going to talk about is called the need and the song is called crown Ooh, good choice here's a clip impressed with how experimental they were i mean yeah i don't know if they ever labeled themselves riot girl but they were no. definitely yeah like really overlapped into the whole scene yeah. i mean they were on kill rock stars uh, i would i would like put them more on the queer core side queer core, yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I would, I would yeah put them there absolutely and you know uh rachel karns she um apparently played drums with slant six i mean yeah. so she was you know definitely involved yeah, in the scene, she had a real DIY aesthetic mentality. She even worked with Miranda July, uh, and also she also played in a band. Yeah, in the, the band called what, CB Barnes Band. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Miranda July. And for those that don't know, Miranda July is like a pretty notable film director now. I I honestly truly, I mean, forgive my ignorance here, no. but I didn't realize Miranda July's connection. No. In this Riot Girl movement. Oh yeah, no, I really no, did not. No, it's not ignorant. It's just because I don't know. I don't really. No one ever really brings her. You know what I mean? Brings yeah, her up. Like, yeah, I didn't yeah, know who yeah. Miranda July was until this decade. Yeah, same. Like I didn't know. Yeah, I same. didn't. Yeah, for example. So yeah. the the history behind you know the the people in this band and yeah all the people that existed in this band and including nomi lamb but i think my favorite part about reading about nomi lamb was how she describes herself which is a badass fat ass jew dyke amputee <laughs> and uh and it just every person in this band was so groundbreaking they're groundbreaking like, yeah. yeah they were each groundbreaking in some kind of way yeah and i thought it was interesting yeah because radio sloan the guitarist um you know, she played with Peaches. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's it's just really interesting how there's like all these connections. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know a lot of people haven't heard of The Need. As a band, they're just so offbeat and experimental. Yeah, I mean, they are. that EP, it's only nine minutes and it's six songs. But it's kind of a different, I think it's kind of different than what people may think of punk or may yeah. think of Riot Girl. You uh -huh. know what I mean? Yeah. It's and definitely queer core, yeah, queer core, yeah, totally. queer core, yeah. And what connects them too is the fanzines. Like they yes. started off like, well, Rachel Carnes, yeah, uh, was making fanzines and trading tapes, and yes. that's another fucking thing. Yeah. Cassette culture in this fucking cassette the, culture. That's how yeah. I, I found out a lot about music. Yeah. It's like my friends would make me like tapes, like mi mixtapes. Yep. You know, and the need appeared on. Uh, a few mixtapes yeah. made by the record label Chainsaw Records. Yeah. And Chainsaw Records had so many pivotal Riot Girl bands like Heavens to Betsy, Sleater Kinney, Third Sex. Like they're responsible yeah. for distributing a lot of their yeah. music. Speaking of the need being on Chainsaw Records, which was mm -hmm. Donna Dress's label, yep. what is your next song? My next song is uh, Donna Dresch's band, Team Dresch, and the song is called Uncle Frank. Here's a clip. My mom says she loves me, but I 
Frank is uh, about a queer figure. Frank is the stage name of Susan Gottlieb. Yeah, Frank it had she had or Frank had an album out, right? Yes. Frank yeah, had yeah, yeah. Frank yeah. would like, make Frank, Frank has been a folk an, singer, yeah, folk singer earliest yeah. influences of electro punk. Right. Yeah, and and uh, Susan Gottlieb is a huge part of the Los Angeles punk scene from the 70s and, and 80s. And she had an andro- uh, androgynous persona for her first band, uh, Nervous Gender. Yeah, yep, I've, right? I've heard of them. Yeah, yes. and, and this band was influential in, wow. in, the, in electro-punk. Yeah. And Frank's um, existence was pivotal to the queer core movement, which opened the doors to our beloved Riot Girl movement. Mm-hmm. Okay, this song has such a, like, Pretty Girls Make Graves slash elastica vibe to it Ooh, yeah yeah it has like such a fucking vibe like that they don't consider themselves on the riot girl spectrum anyway they're more on the queer core band i'm bringing this band up into the spotlight because of donna dresh who did chainsaw records chainsaw records was instrumental in helping release a lot of these these bands Mm -hmm. and um donna dresh uh played guitar and bass she was in the band with uh, Kaya Wilson, Jody Blail, and Marceo Martinez, and they're all uh, openly lesbian artists. And it's important to note these things about the queer core movement because in the early, in the late '80s, early '90s, it was completely unheard of for anybody to be openly gay. Right. You know, it, yeah. it was. It was still there was a lot of scrutiny involved. Um, but the found, uh, Donna is the founder of the band. She created the fanzine Chainsaw, which grew mm. into the label. It was the label that released Excuse 17. Ooh, yeah, okay, Heavens nice. to Betsy, The Need, and yeah. uh, there was um, some Sleater Kinney releases on there as well. So Excuse 17, Heavens to Betsy, um, and Team Dresh, like these are huge fucking players in the Rat Girl movement. Oh yeah. And Donna Dresch also played in bands like Dinosaur Jr. and Danger Mouse, and she was wow. in Some Velvet Sidewalk, and yeah. she's one of the people that helped mm-hmm. the Bratmobile like get their shit together to open for fucking Bikini yeah. Kill. Wow. Um, and she was in the band um, originally with Toby Vale, the yeah. Go Team. That's yeah. like, oh yeah, that's the, the band yeah. that Kathleen Hanna went to go see and was like, "Holy shit, shit who's, yeah. who's that drummer?" Yes. And, like she approached Toby and Toby and them yeah. just got together. And in the same vein of approaching bands, your next band approached the drummer from Bratmobile. Yeah. And they became friends and pen pals. So why don't you tell us about that band? The next band I'm going to talk about, Emily Sassy Lime. Yeah. And the name of the song that I chose is called Mr. Moneybags. With a money sign. And yep. here's the clip. <laughs> their day i feel were pretty avant-garde in how they were you know how they came up with their songs oh, absolutely how they recorded i was 
pretty taken aback when yeah. I found out who Emily Sassy Lime yeah. were. Yeah, I'm pretty excited to talk about this yeah, one. Yeah, because they, I mean, again, I love their sound. They just were, they were noisy, they were chaotic, but there was like glimmers of kind of fun, yeah. catchy sing-along kind of choruses yeah. to them, you know, but there were some grit. It was like true garage band. Yeah, true like, garage yeah, grit, you yeah, know, and yeah. they were just in, like incredibly fun to listen to. I couldn't get enough of them. It was hard for me to find, you know, pick one song because I loved every single song off of Desperate, Scared, and Social. They might be one of the only all Asian Yes. Yeah, Riot see, that really got me too. I thought that was so cool hearing their story. Yeah, they were like all Asian sisters, Amy Yao and Wendy Yao and Emily Ryan. Uh-huh. I just was like, I found out they were an all Asian uh, group. I thought that was the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, I could relate. I mean, they had the strict parents. They had, yeah, they, I yeah. mean, uh, you know, they had to, all had to sneak out to go see a Bikini Kill and Bratmobile show, Ugh. which is how they met. Yeah. And they apparently, you know, uh, kept in touch with, with Bratmobile's drummer Molly. Yep. The th- three of them, even though they lived in different parts of Southern, of, you know, Southern California, they managed... I, I guess they left stuff on each other's answering yeah, machines. That was the cutest detail yeah. about their friendship. Yeah. And deep diving into learning about them has been so much fucking fun because this is true DIY. Yeah. This is true fucking DIY. They lived far away from each other. Yes. The two sisters and Emily. Yeah. And so they like recorded jingles and melodies yes. and left it on each other's answering yeah. machines. And if, yeah. And yeah. of course there's like this dire lack of public transportation in yes. Southern California, oh, which Jesus. always made me pretty salty. You yeah, know? Yeah. So of course, yeah, they didn't have cars or didn't drive or yeah. something. So they, this is just the way they did it. And yeah, and they yeah. didn't, own their own no, instruments. No, they didn't. They had to borrow. They had to borrow them from yeah, from other bands when they played. Also, mm-hmm. we forgot to mention they were fucking teenagers. Yes, they were. They yeah. broke mm-hmm. up. Yeah. Before they left yeah, high school, school yeah. because they, they all got all, into yeah. really good colleges. Yeah, yeah. But they barely practiced because yeah, they could. Like you mentioned, yeah. their parents were yeah. fucking like strict with them they had no car and they had no instruments yeah yet they still managed to fucking record an uh a goddamn album yeah on a karaoke yeah and i could relate so hard you know my mom's from japan like she's an immigrant i mean i'm an immigrant too but it's like you know my dad was white but he's really really you know he's also really strict with that stuff i could relate to not being able to tell my parents that I was in a band or making music and like having to focus on my studies or whatever. I can completely relate to that. So I thought that was just so cool that I could relate to a band on that level. They were influential to me in so many ways and they were talented as hell. They were really talented. The fact that, yeah, they never couldn't practice. They couldn't practice. They never played their instruments. Yeah. And the fact that, yeah, they could just knock out these really catchy songs. I know. You know, I mean. Coming back full full circle for Wendy Yao, who owns and operates a shop and DIY indie punk space. Yeah. In downtown Los Angeles called Ooga Booga. I did apply to 
work there like 10 years ago or like hey, almost man. 10 years ago. We'll go visit soon. Yeah, and I we'll would love tell her to. We yeah. just spent like 10 minutes talking about it. I know, right? But, but yeah. Yeah, but, no. And yeah. Amy Yao is now a contemporary artist mm-hmm. and she's exhibited at the Whitney and MoMA and she graduated from fucking Art Center and Yale. Okay, damn. I couldn't even get into Art Center, let alone <laughs> fucking Yale. It just brought so many memories to read their story about their origins and stuff like that. And it just made me really nostalgic for not only that time, but like that lack of fear to just try things out and oh, just do totally. it, and you look, know, and, and, and looking... not worry about what fucking people thought. Exactly. <laughs> and know? like doing it just no matter what, even if you don't own anything, you don't have anything, you're yeah. not allowed to. Yeah. To have this pivotal album come out on kill rock stars yeah, by the on, way yeah They're exactly from LA yeah and it yeah. came out on kill rock stars yeah and as and in high as from high schoolers yeah i know like and they broke up before they even graduated yeah. high school and they were so pivotal they were, yeah. it's just uh, incredible what is your next track Ooh. Yeah. okay okay yeah so i am gonna be talking about uh uh, trio called mm-hmm. Cadillaca and yes. uh, the song is called June and July here's a little clip now I look back to the years and I feel differently what if we had waited I felt up to it was June and July till June and July calling June and July oh June and Cadillaca is a trio with Corin Tucker, Tucker, yeah, who, went, who was from Heaven to Betsy and Sleater Kinney. Yeah, that's how I heard about Cadillaca. Yeah, and Sarah uh, Doer of the Lookers and STS, who's also of the Lookers. And this fucking band formed at a party in Portland. Oh wow! I'm choosing this song because. I want to show the diversity of the Riot Girl movement that like not only could it go from being like super hardcore punk mm-hmm. like Bikini Kill but I want to show that it has like a it could have like a 60s surf yeah. rock it's kind of vibe to it you know, yeah. like any genre exactly and uh, Cadillaca specifically I fell in love with them because they hit me at a right time because I was obsessed with the B-52s and especially so. this cheesy ass song Rock Lobster. Hell yeah, no, that's a jam. I was obsessed jam. with the fucking that's organ from yeah, um, yeah. Rock Lobster. Yeah. The entire album has uh, an organ called, uh, apparently it's called like a far, far, Farfusa. Oh yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, a Farfusa, Farfusa organ, organ and it's like an Italian organ and I consider it the fourth member because yeah. it's like on every fucking Heck track. Yeah. I still have a soft spot for songs with organs in them and... <laughs> I can fucking have a whole episode about songs with organs. But anyway, rather than going by their names, they called themselves like Kissy, Dusty, and Junior. And and, and it was like in the tradition of bands like um, the Shangri-Las. Yeah. But, you know, with a feminist right. rhetoric, yeah, I guess yeah, you could yeah. say. So you're gonna go, we're going to go on a Sleater Kinney? Yeah. Is it, to, is it time to call the doctor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> time to call the doctor because yeah. that is my next song by Sleater Kinney that we are going to you are going to hear a little bit of right now they want to 
to socialize you. That's, that's right. Oh. That's right. Yeah. So that one hit me so hard. Just how ominous. Yeah. Talking yeah. to want to socialize yeah. you. Yeah. And, um, and then it was kind of dark. And then Corin Tucker, I'd never heard a voice like that. And just so just hearing her like vibrato voice yeah. just shook me. Yeah. Then in the end, that song kind of builds up into this crescendo where it's like screaming, call the doctor. Yeah. It was rawness in a different way. It, I mean, of course, this is the most cliche word to use, but it sounded epic, like yeah. really epic. I mean, I'm a bass player. My favorite element in music is a bass line Slater Kinney I guess they've always just had really solid drummers and that's to, to the point where they don't need a bass player no you know to, and to round out their sound the people have spoken because yeah. we're not the only ones that feel this way like yeah. major major music publications have named Slater Kinney yeah some of the most influential rock bands yeah ever oh totally. not just like Best rock band of 2018. Yeah, no, you know, exactly. Like yeah, no. Best yeah. rock band ever. Yeah, and even their musicianship is, you know what I mean? It's yeah. like they, they really know how to play. They're all genuinely talented. They are so, they are so distinct. They, yeah. I mean, they've always, I felt like, stood out. There's nothing generic sounding about them. Even if, like their riffs are, are kind of like complex. I don't know. There's no, like absolutely. how they kind of go back and forth yeah, there's like yeah. that interplay and that creates its own dynamic yeah. I mean yeah mind blown with that band I know you included them in your first contact mix uh -huh. um, which was very I mean they came really close to making it into mine but I wanted to save them for, uh -huh. for this this episode yeah so. right on so Liz uh, you picked a Sleater Kinney song I as did. well what, what more do you have to say and about them and look at here it's off the same fucking album yeah. uh, called The Doctor uh it's it's called good things this record came from the the chainsaw recordings uh, that we talked about earlier with uh, touching back on Team Dresh. And I think to add on to what you were talking about with the vocals, Corin Tucker has a, a love it or leave it kind of fucking vocal style. Yes, yeah. And I think the reason why this album struck me so hard was because her vocals sort of like forced you to focus on her message yeah oh yeah and it's a very commanding yeah. voice and with this song good things it it's one of the few riot girl you know songs that actually makes me cry like it's oh. one of my oh, like wow. it it hits a pang in my nostalgic nerve not necessarily angsty stuff but just there's so many different transitions going on you know in my early mm -hmm. teens and, yeah. and even into my late teens so many changes that happen with even just like a new school year and new friends and new stuff like that. And the li lyrics are, you know, I got this feeling when I heard your name the other day, I couldn't say it and I couldn't make it go away. And there's just something so profound about those lyrics, even though they're so simple. That, those are the best lyrics. Sometimes those are the best yeah, lyrics you when know? you can take and them like, and interpret them on your own. Why do good things yeah. never want to stay? Yeah. And as an adult now at 34 years old, 
those lyrics still fucking hit me. Like yeah. I still get teary eyed listening yeah. to that song. And just the haunting opening guitar riff still fucking strike. Yeah. Like I said, it strikes a nerve and it is it is quite possibly one of my favorite Riot Girl albums. Oh yeah. Slitter Kinney's technically still together. Mm-hmm. They're working on an album now set to release in 2019 with St. Vincent. Wow. Yeah. I okay. Know. I'm, I'm thrilled to, wow. I love St. Vincent. Yeah. So I, I'm, I'm excited to hear um, yeah, about them. That, wow. I was definitely obsessed with everything Sleater Kenny in my early teens, just cause you know, not only did I want to be them, but like their message, I related to their message a lot. There was one instance that I remember reading about uh, as a teenager and it was Carrie Brownstein's interview with Spin Magazine. Oh, I heard about that. Yeah, where they she had to, she came out. Yeah. No, they outed well, her. They outed her. Yeah. That's right. They outed they her. Casually right. outed yeah, her. her. Yeah. She's like, oh shit, yeah. well, fuck. But I remember reading it and reading about her being bisexual and mm-hmm. her dating Carrie, uh, Corin Corin Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. And I remember like thinking to myself, holy shit, they're gay. So when I read that interview, even though they fucking outed her, mm-hmm. it was huge for me to read that i thought it was hot that they did (laughs) oh my god i don't want to fucking objectify them but like just knowing that these two have not only have that chemistry in real life where they can just sit down make music together there wasn't a whole lot of queer diversity or even lgbt representation for me and yeah i i love this genre i love this movement i'm grateful for it um are there any last words you want to say about this? Um... It'll be interesting to see that the way things are evolving and changing and things like intersectionality are coming more to the forefront. I look forward to seeing what kind of movements, musical or otherwise, come up in the, the present or near future or far future. Yeah, same here. Same here. And like we mentioned earlier, um, this movement was kind of it kind of launched at a time when Kimberly Crenshaw created the term intersectional feminism and while these members strived for that intersectionality uh, whether they called themselves intersectional feminists or not obviously the scene was lacking in some sorts mm-hmm. but it goes without saying that this scene was very instrumental in the progression of feminism and the start of third wave feminism which brings us to where we are now exactly like it wasn't perfect but it was still pivotal exactly exactly and thank thank you for tuning in and thank you for sharing your songs with me Suzanne I learned a lot from the bands that you suggested thank you and I learned a lot from you too like there were some things where I was kind of like oh I I don't think I'd heard that before read that before how did I not know that you know but it's good to it's definitely good to learn from each other yeah I love that And with that being said, we're ending the show, but I want to remind everybody, if you could, please, pretty please, rate the podcast and subscribe. We will have episodes every month, and next episode is going to be our female-fronted influential bands. Yeah. So we're still kind of, you know, uh, digging through our history you know, digging through our past. But, you know, again, like stated before, we are going to make a push 
to research and dig, you know, deeper into certain genres that we may have overlooked, yep. you know, scenes or genres that we may have overlooked. And cause you know, we're still learning ourselves. Yeah. We, we're still definitely, we still definitely have a lot to learn about music or any Absolutely. subject. And yeah, we would we're not like proclaiming to, to be experts. experts yeah. And, and we would like to learn, you know, we yeah. would like to know more. We would like to push ourselves and our, boundaries further in terms of knowledge and hearing about new music yeah exactly and all right then let's end it there and if you want to find us on social media our handles are other orbit one word twitter facebook instagram our instagram for our podcast is another orbit pod for more information about me and Suze, you can visit otherorbit.com and check out our about section. And if you want to drop us a hello, say um, email us at hello at otherorbit.com. I will have it in the show notes uh, written out because it gets a little wordy over here, okay? Go on another orbit with us next episode. <laughs> yeah.